good evening, and welcome to our show. Thanks for joining the Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast, a place where friends who just happen to be Durannies get together to talk about our love of music, pop culture, concerts, and of course, our favorite boys, past, present, and future. Hello, this is Stephanie. I am joined, of course, by Jody and Suzanne. <laughs> Deanna could not be with us um, right now. She's taking a little bit of a sabbatical with her family. Um, of course, uh, social distancing, of course. Um, <laughs> we are still social distancing ourselves, and we are recording via Google Hangout as well. We took a little bit of sabbatical um, from the podcast just because, you know, things were a little heavy. You know, our hearts were heavy with recent events um, that have been happening, um, not only in America here, but um, throughout the world. Today is actually June 15th that we're recording this and we thought it was a good time to come back and and have a conversation with you all. And um it turns out that June 15th is is a is a good day. It's the debut of Duran Duran's first album back in 1981. Obviously if that doesn't happen, we're not even here <laughs> Great to, to talk to you and have a to have a podcast, um, and we're also excited about the Supreme Court decision um, regarding LBGTQ rights. So um, today is a good day to to come back and and have conversation with you guys. Our hearts have been really heavy over the past couple of weeks with with everything going on in the world uh, with Mr. Floyd and Mr. Aubrey and Ms. Taylor and um, all of all of the countless others that have um, re- have not received the proper justice that they deserved. So um, with that, what have been your thoughts and what would you like to talk about, Jody, as well regarding this topic? For me, uh, first and foremost, I believe that Black Lives Matter and this has been a subject uh, that has pervaded most of my growing up years and of course my adult uh, professional years as a teacher. So that this situation has finally come to a head where there are um, daily protests and there's some attention being brought to significant issues of systemic racism that has been an issue in our country since its inception um, must be dealt with. Um, We cannot continue to have a unified United States without these issues being faced and serious, serious change affected by this particular moment in time. You don't grow up a product of uh, desegregated schools and not feel some extreme connection to what's going on right now. I am here in solidarity with everyone who has ever thought, how on earth could someone be treated so poorly because of how they look? I am a teacher because I wanted all of the kids who didn't look like me to know that they weren't different from me. They were still human and they still had a voice and they still had a future and they still had me that could hug them around the necks or at least give them a safe space for a few hours a day while they were in my classroom. It's just that important to me that everybody understand this is this is too important an issue right now to not make it an entire episode, if not an entire series. The whole idea that we're talking about this on a Duran Duran podcast is even more significant because some Duran Duran music wouldn't exist if it weren't for artists like Nile Rogers, who 
who is our godfather in all of this. And we've said that to him. We've said that numerous times on this podcast. Without that music, our music that we are here talking about on this podcast would not exist. So we have to recognize that and we have to build on that and we have to respect that this is the world as it needs to be, not as it was. Thank you. <laughs> I could not agree with you more. Um, and as you um, are listening to this, um, you should probably already know that this podcast is a diverse podcast. Um, we have all um, types of people and types of backgrounds um, represented on this podcast. And if you didn't realize that, you can go to our um, Instagram page and you can actually see pictures to, to notice the diversity that is represented um, within this group. Suzanne? So, yeah. So, I mean, this, like Stephanie said, this has been a really heavy time in our country and in our world. And, you know, I've been really using it a lot to learn a lot of things. And I'm a person of faith. So I'm really praying for healing and reconciliation. There is a nonprofit organization that I'm now following called Be the Bridge, led by a woman that I used to go to church with named Latasha Morrison. So, you know, it's just a time to really, really dig deep and really look for truth. So that's personally what I'm I'm working on. And, you know, like you both said, this this is part what brings us together is our music and our love for the music. And the people that put this music together come in all colors and shapes and sizes. And, you know, we we're here about about that. So absolutely. Appreciate that, Suzanne. And that kind of leads us into during this during this heavy time. And also, I wanted to point out and I was talking with the girls before we we started that I really appreciate that, you know, our favorite bands, not just Duran Duran, but all the other bands that and musicians that we follow um, have been in solidarity um, with the cause. And it, it brings me comfort and joy that that my favorite artist, you know, back not only me, but back diversity in general. Um, and so that's been reflected in um, conversations with Simon on, on Duran Duran Radio. Um, I know he touched on it in episode six uh, or seven, seven actually, right? <laughs> so Simon um, actually addressed the issue uh, in episode seven of Wush. And he said that he was horrified and that he supports um, Black Lives Matter movement and Black Lives Matter UK. So I was very here, very glad to hear Simon um, address the issue as well as hear, um, you know, John's, it was discussed in the Instagram live with Niall, which we'll go into in further detail. I want to, I want to add to that because um, you know that I'm a fan of like a super fan of quite a few bands, not none such as Duran Duran, but I mean, there have been none of the people that I have invested my interests and my time in that have come out and said said anything opposite of what I would hope that they would say. It, whether they're being smart and, and doing this in their own political sort of got to keep my job sort of way to say the right things, or if they're actually people who feel similarly as I do, or as we do, as we're talking through this and our multiple viewpoints on this, but it's all about progress and it's all about inclusion. And it's all about um, making sure that this doesn't continue. And I think everyone that I appreciate has done that all my life. I mean, I don't know of any artists that I've said, oh my gosh, I can't believe they've said that. And I've dumped them because I feel like I choose better than that. <laughs> you know, 
I think there's just that kismet and that instant attraction that's true and real. And, and that's why I've been a fan of Duran Duran for 40 years. And because that, that has never faltered. I've never not once questioned my connection. As weird as that sounds, I've never questioned my connection with them. I feel like we're all on the same page and we have been for 40 years. I would agree with that. Um, you know, again, we were talking about this um, before we started recording and I'm with you, Jody. All of the bands um, besides Duran Duran that I follow have really, you know, reiterated the fact that, like you said, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And um, I appreciate the fact that they, you know, without a doubt and didn't give it a second thought, made sure that anybody that was listening to their platform knew that. Mm-hmm. And um, there's been so many things that have been shared by different artists that I listen to, different um, organizations, um, different links to go to, um, showing different ways um, and posting different ways that everyone can help to um, in this problem that we have in this country. Mm-hmm. So we've had lots of experience with the with the few members of the band over the past few weeks as we're still all quarantined, trying to stay safe and not be infectious or get infected. And part of that is John's stone. You're going to have to help me with the four words. Stone I always love confuse. base odyssey. Yes, stone love base odyssey, which... Stephanie, you probably remember more of the story of where that came from. Can you remind us where Stone Love Base Odyssey came from? Well, it's 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 one of the mashups of obviously Duran. I mean, not only John's, but Duran as an entity's um, favorite artist, David Bowie. Him and together in partnership with Patty Palazzo from Punk Masters had this um, T-shirt design that came out um, earlier this year, I believe it was, or was it late last year? I'm not sure. Um, I think late last but year. Late last year, probably. Um, which Feels I like 50 have, years ago. Yeah. I actually have a t-shirt because as soon as I saw that, I was like, I need that. And um, so I actually you have, have the a t-shirt. Stone, the Stone Love Base Odyssey one? Yeah, I have the Stone Love Base Odyssey tee. I didn't get um, that Punk one. Masters tee, um, which as soon as I saw that, again, I was like, I need I need that. Like, because I need that right now. Because you love Punk Masters and you love JT, so of course. <laughs> well, of Perfect. course. Hello. <laughs> Shout out to Patty. Perfect. Um, hey, Patty. Absolutely, because her work is wonderful. And um, I love I love the meaning and the the concept behind her designs. And I know that she collaborates with John a lot on those designs. Um, the so new Earthling one. Heaven. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that's coming forthcoming in her next collection. The Planet Earthling um, t-shirt will be forthcoming. And, oh, let uh, me say something. Just, from, yes. Just in case Patty's listening, actually, I did see someone made a mock-up of that and put it on Redbubble, which is not cool because this one's not even finished yet, as far as I could tell from what Patty said. Patty, go check out Redbubble and make them take it away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's not cool. Um, Unless it comes from Punk Masters, then it is not original and it's not authentic. So make sure that you are only purchasing your teas from punkmasters.com. So in in Stone Love Base Odyssey, John's had a number of guests. Well, no, no, that's that. That's the second part. The the Stone Love Base Odyssey is the actual like tutorials. You're right. He's piggybacking on it. Yeah, you're right. I'm calling it that, I guess, because I feel it's the overarching. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the Stone Love Bass Odyssey is his tutorial of how to play bass, which is so over my head. I I just end up laughing the whole time because he's so silly and so cute and just so into what he's doing. And that makes me, I mean, like for 15 minutes or however long these little snippets are. Eight eight minutes. minutes. Thank you. (laughs) I just feel so happy for him that he's healthy again and that he's doing these things. And earlier, I remember like bemoaning the fact that he was um, kind of snotty and aggressive uh, and kind of angry. And then there's this. And I don't feel that when I watch him doing this, because obviously this makes him feel good and he's enjoying doing it. So I'm glad that we're we're getting to see that. But his guests have included. So after after the tutorials, he has brought on a weekly guest for an Instagram live. Right. And first was, oh my God. It was Dave. Dave one. Dave from from Chromeo. Oh, duh. That's right. Dave from Chromeo, which was really cool because that's a generational thing that was, I thought that was fun to watch. Um, And maybe in future episodes, we can break these down and kind of talk more about each one. But um, then the second one was Niall. No, it was Susanna. Susanna Hawks. Let me run through it, Jody. You're can- okay. Go ahead. I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. <laughs> the first one was was Dave from Chromeo, who is actually his soon-to-be son-in-law. Yes. Um. Then the second one was Susanna Hoffs from the Bangles, who looked fantastic. Gosh. And the third conversation was with Mark Ronson. Oh, that's, oh I almost conversation was with Niall. We're going to chat about that one in a second. And then this past week, it was with Billy Idol. And then in a few days from now, it's going to be with Roger. Roger. That. They're going to chat live for us. Roger. Roger. That will be so fun, I think. So much fun. But to cycle back to Niall, we were going to pull that one out of the list and talk about that one as it pertained to... I guess the conversation and the the social justice issues that were brought up earlier in our discussion here and what John and Niall talked. So ladies, what'd you think? Well, as always, I could listen to Niall Rogers talk all day long um, because he always has not only fascinating stories, but he has fascinating insight. And I love to hear like how I, I mean, that's what's so great about John's tutorials as well, is I love to hear the background of how things come together. Mm-hmm. And when John is talking about how how he developed, you know, the song or the baseline for the song, I'm, I can now go back and say, okay, I understand that now. I get that. Like, it just makes, it just brings everything together and it makes sense. And so Niall's always been very good at doing so. You know, we've had the, the great fortune of listening to Niall talk at length in person mm-hmm. and you know he he can talk forever and it's okay because everything that he has to say um i'm just hanging on every word actually <laughs> so, so the fact that john and niall um have got together and had this conversation it could have lasted for hours as far as i i was concerned and it's such it's so great to see that you know their friendship um, you know, we've always um, heard about their friendship and actually back in episode 17 of the podcast, when we talked to Jerry Barnes of Chic and we got our surprise um, phone call from Niall, he he touched on the fact that, um, you know, he considers um, John and the boys and Simon, especially John, family. And um, so it's actually kind of full circle that we got to see the two of them having a conversation. And, you know, 
also props to John for the the questions that he asked mm -hmm. all of his guests. I've been very impressed with his interview skills. Well, and as soon as I, I wasn't able to pay as much attention as I wanted to that day, and I haven't gone back to watch it again. But what I was sort of brought back to was when he, Niall, posted that picture of himself with a group of other people that were face-to-face -face with armed police officers. I thought, this man has seen and done everything, everything. And his whole life up to now has been built on that, on that growing up in New York, on having a young mother, on being a Black man, on um, finding music, and on being part of the Black Panthers and all of that. And he and John touched on that in their conversation, even just sort of glossing over it. John said stuff like, at this time and while this is going on, and this is a really deep moment. And they both teared up because it was just so deep for both of them, and especially Niall. And I think that John seemed to recognize that this was really something that was touching Niall's soul that, that he's dealing with right now. So I kind of took that big chunk out of that conversation without being able to really get into what he said. It's been his life. This, this is happening now, has happened to him before, but he's overcome it because he's been able to be in the music business not overcome it. Good gosh. He's just been able to deal with it because he's in the music business. And who knows, he's probably his own record company and all that because he has to. But I, I was just struck by the depth that they went into in their emotions about it with just a few words. So I, I was really um, struck by that. Yeah, I mean, um, I would agree with what you're saying. I think that um, him, you know, tying it in for people that don't understand, um, you know, what a person of color may have to go through. He kind of, you know, brought it to the forefront when he touched on even something as simple as the remix for the reflex, you know, they, mm -hmm. you know, met, uh, met up with Niall. Gosh, he said like, gosh, they first met Niall in 1982, um, mm -hmm. which is yes. crazy to think how long ago that was. You know, they mm -hmm. just heard. Uh, I don't want to think about that. Niall, you know, they had just heard Niall's work uh, with Excess and his work on Original Sin. And not only did Niall touch on the fact that, you know, he was met with a little bit of controversy in the lyrics for Original Sin, you know, how he changed um, the lyrics to Dream On White Boy, mm -hmm. Dream On Black Girl dream on black boy, dream on white girl, um, that Tommy Mottola had a, had an issue with that. Mm -hmm. um, and Niall was like, you know what, I changed the lyrics, you know, I'm paraphrasing here because, you know, that was my situation at the time. Um, you know, my, his stepfather was white. And so I did he, not know that he, he, and which I didn't realize that until he mm -hmm. mentioned that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that it did totally made sense to me. Um, but the fact that he was met with a little bit of controversy over that kind of was the first indication. Um, and then later on, um, when he talked about, um, you know, they sent the reflex to him to, to work as magic um, on the reflex on the remix, you know, my first 12 inch single, by the way, that I ever owned was the reflex. And so when I had the good fortune um, to meet Niall a couple of years ago for the first time, I let him know that that was my first 12 inch <laughs> single ever. I got, I barely could get it out. I got choked up telling him. <laughs> he was reclamped. I was a mess. I barely got it out. Um, and he was so touched by that. Um, and so, but it, it's, the, it's a true story. The fact that, 
you know, I got to tell the man who's 12 inch single, you know, my first 12 inch single that the fact that I got to tell the very person who was responsible for that was, yeah, anyway, that was just, okay, let me bring it back. And, but... <laughs> and a quick thought, a quick story related to that with me. I remember listening to the one on the radio and I had the single as well. And then I had the original version that, that was still in the album because the album was released with the version that he did not produce. And even like at like 12 years old, I was like, this one's like boring. The one on the record's boring. I love the one I have on the single. And I couldn't articulate. I didn't know it was like there was a different producer that actually did. <laughs> but I knew that there was enough. There was a difference. I loved the one on the single and I didn't like the one, the plain one on the album. So whatever that's worth. <laughs> yeah. The, the very fact that the record company, um, when they, you know, got the remix back from Nile and he worked as magic, um, that we're all aware of the fact that the, the rep, the record company was thinking that it was going to alienate the fan base because it was too black sounding is, is ridiculous, but that's, that's the truth <laughs> of the matter. I can tell you right now, it didn't matter what it sounded like. It was Duran Duran. And that was what I was supposed to do was like that music. And thank well, goodness I had that kind of open mind. Absolutely. I mean, like, I just thought when I heard it the first time, I, you know, actually, I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to think about when the first time I actually heard it. And believe it or not, the first time I heard it, was we were on our way. I was on my way with a group of friends to go see V to a Kill <laughs> at the movie theater. And we were listening to it in my friend's mom's like minivan or whatever and <laughs> dancing around in the minivan before we were going to go into the movie theater to, to see a V to a Kill. And that thought just came to me <laughs> as we're talking right now. Wow. A little Duran Duran flashback. Mm -hmm. Very much so. <laughs> Yes. So did either of you in that conversation between Niall and John, did either of you notice the, the tearing up? Am I making that up? Or is, is it just that that's something I look for when people talk? For me, I think it was just a, a culmination of here's these two guys have known each other since 1982, as um, was pointed out the exact year. And it was actually pointed out August 1982 mm -hmm. um, that they that they first met and there was an instant connection. Well, um, and there and is that deep that love. Yeah, yeah and, and the emotion's strong. And it's it's almost like we were watching cousins talk or something. You know, when you talk with your family members, they just kind of had like their, you know, their own shorthand, if you will. So I think, yeah, there was some emotions that we could see there because they're so close. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad I didn't. Just I think what I think what you're referring to, Jody, and I think, you know, Suzanne, to reiterate what Suzanne just said, I think you just what you were seeing and what I experienced was just the genuine love that they have for one another. The Godfather. <laughs> yeah, the Godfather. I mean, I, I mean, what I, it's just, yeah, the cover that and then, you know, him, you know, talking about the making of Notorious, which, you know, and referencing back to Simon's radio show, you know, he mentioned, gosh, what, what did he say about that? He, he just talked about how, um, gosh, did he talk about Niall? Am I hearing, am I mixing it all up? Did which one talk about Niall? I'm sorry. Did Simon, I'm sorry. Simon, no. Did he not touch on that as well too? Or was that, or am I mixing all of the shows up? Um, he hasn't spoken of Nile by name no you know what it wasn't on the show he referenced the um on the whoosh episode what it was is he referenced is there something um I should know documentary oh, and yeah. that 
is referring to Niall talking about how when he says like Sir Niall of Rogers right oh, coming that's right. in and, and saving them and that's what I'm that's what I'm kind of trying to bring together <laughs> forgive me you know again Niall coming in and giving them direction um, just after, you know, Roger and Andy had left and him kind of being the glue and the thing that kept them together and saying that you can do this um, and coming in and, and giving them that, that funkier side, yeah. which, you know, I just listened to Notorious for the, you know, for reference for the show, um, for this episode. And, oh my gosh, I, not that I didn't know this, but wow, God, that Notorious is good. God, it's it is. It's one of my favorites. It's so good. And not it is only. definitely one of my favorites. It is so good. And not only, I mean, I remember when I first heard, again, I'm back with the, I remember when I first heard, and I think I've referenced this before in a previous episode, but I remember hearing Notorious for the first time on my way home, I was in drill team my freshman year. I just um, had gotten the cassette and I asked my mom if we could listen to it on the drive home because we had uh, quite a distance to go from where we were at the opposing stadiums, um, football team stadium. And so I asked if we could listen to Notorious. And I remember thinking, because at that point, I just heard just Notorious the single, but I didn't hear, you know, it's not like we had the internet back then and we could preview uh, forthcoming <laughs> music. Uh, you were hearing, you were literally hearing cassettes and albums and vinyl for the first time when you actually, you know, put it in your um, tape machine or on a record on, on, you know, on the record player. So I remember hearing Notorious for the first time on that drive home. Um, and this was the fall of 1986. And I remember thinking this is different, but this is so good. This is so good. And I remember crying. Um, <laughs> I just remember crying because I knew Roger and Andy weren't there. I don't even know that that really entered my mind. I just remember that it was so different sounding, but mm -hmm. in a in a in a good way, and that it was a lot funkier. Yes. Um, and back then, of course, I didn't know where they were drawing their influence from, but it didn't matter. So seven. Okay. It sounded different, but it was in a good way. Yeah. It was definitely more. It was definitely more soulful, and it was definitely more funky. Yeah. But I totally dug it. I t I, t I instantly loved it. And I remember seeing that video for the first time, and it was with all the dance and the, it was very stylized and just, it was totally different. And I love that too. Didn't that um, Steve Winwood video that was very similar to it come out at about the same time? That I don't remember. I was not paying attention to Stevie Winwood. I was paying attention to the victory. <laughs> <laughs> but if you watched MTV, you almost didn't have a choice because they would play Notorious. And then I they didn't have MTV. Winwood. I only had oh. videos. Okay. <laughs> I loved Friday Night Videos. Stephanie, I think you were talking about some of the lyrics even that really were jumping out to you. Yeah, I mean, in listening to Notorious over the last two days, it's it's always it's it's always funny how, you know, you can listen to a song, you know, a thousand times over and then sometimes a lyric will hit you differently. Um, and especially during these times, what struck me and what stood out to me is when I was listening to Vertigo. And Simon um, sings, you know, where's the real life in your illusion on the dark side of power and confusion? Totally applicable to today. Um, and then during proposition, um, hold up the sacrifice, um, pull down your institution, resting while anger flies, question the same who's deciding. 
I was like, there's Levon again, you know, writing something from 30 plus years ago and it's applicable to, to today. And it just struck out to what's going on um, in our world right now. Um, it's still relevant. I agree. I mean, obviously there was something going on that um, we can interpret in those lyrics that can fit any frustration situation, I think, because I mean, obviously things were in upheaval then when he's writing those songs. It's another upheaval moment in history right now. And it, it definitely matches. And I also like that we can tie. Well, I think Niall was just involved. Would he, did he produce the whole record or just that single? I think he produced the record. Did he not? Yeah, I think he produced the record. Okay. So yeah, it makes sense that um, I like that we can tie it all together and still have Niall involved. <laughs> I went back to my notes that I took one of the times that we saw him um, in person. And um, the one thing that I will always, always, always love this man for is the fact that he said, any songs that sell in the top 40, top 10 is a great composition. And then he said, we do this because it speaks to the souls of a million strangers because to him, it's all about the music. And again, I think we've said this a number of times here. That's why we're here. It's all about the music. And honest to goodness, I, I haven't found much solace or pleasure or want or anything in music for a few weeks now. So to be able to watch John and him talk and to see him post images of things that he's physically experienced in his life. And um, just to know that he's such a big part of all of this is it actually stirs me. I want to, maybe I'll go listen to the music or something, you know? Well, and I mean, and just, and Jody kind of related to that, even, I mean, how he can use some of these horrible situations and then make something beautiful of it because y'all, yeah. I don't know, y'all probably read his biography and yeah. you know, Le Freak was not it was about him not being let into studio 54 right invited right. Right. and it was not la freak it was the f word but he knew that he could not put that <laughs> but the fact he took a situation where he was being treated poorly and discriminated against and took that and channeled that into something that just became amazing and that lives on and lives on is just another you know piece of his talent and yeah. you know this amazing ability he has to just kind of rise above it which is amazing to me Ray put on Ray, Ray asked me to do a photo project with him the other night and he wanted me to put on some disco and that was the only song I played was Le Freak. <laughs> I just danced around the house for about an hour to Le Freak. It was awesome. awesome. Le Freak out. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And imagine on a, on, a, on a funny note, I just kind of thought about like um, Bernard and when he talked about um, how when he first met Bernard, he uh, called him <laughs> up and Bernard was like, yo, man, my man, lose the phone number, lose my phone number. And that <laughs> me up. So can you imagine if like Niall wouldn't have perceived that because Bernard was not, Bernard was not impressed at first. <laughs> Well, and and, and yeah, Bernard, then, um, you know, John did the Stone Base Odyssey the following week with Some Like It Hot. Yes. Which he talks a lot about the drum line and how Bernard just kind of came and just went with that. So there's a lot of factors tying that that band to our band, making the Godfather who he is. Absolutely. And Sex Pistols. Sitting in the Rum Runner and Barbarella, trying to figure out what kind of music we want to make. Yes, of course. 
the yeah. backbone. It's the think, backbone. Absolutely. Um, and I think John said it best. And he kind of summed out, he kind of summed up how, you know, Duran and Sheik and, and all of that not only bring people together, but how it's a feeling um, is when John talked about how, you know, they got to go on stage during good time yeah. when they toured together in, in Toronto. And for those of you, I'm sure I know that there's YouTube footage out there of them dancing to good times, which is just a good time in itself, uh, watching them on stage uh, was chic. Um, but as, um, as as Suzanne and I can say, we've had the fortune, I think we've mentioned this before, to actually be on stage oh, yeah. dancing during good times. And it's, it's unlike anything else that I've ex- personally <laughs> experienced. When John talks about the energy on stage and that it, you know, during good times that it's un- it's unparalleled as far as I'm concerned. You know, Niall just has this energy about him and it's infectious. And um, it just, I mean, how can you not smile when you talk <laughs> about Niall Rogers? I mean, I don't know how you could, I how have you couldn't. I smile when I talk about Niall and when I talk about Duran Duran and when I talk about all these people. So anything else? Let's go ahead before we wrap up this particular episode. Anything in close? I think that um, we are actually very happy to talk to each other because we actually haven't talked to each other in in over a month. This is the last recording, I know. This is the last recording was back in May, and I know that we had an episode. um, Episode 25 um, came out um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but actually, we had recorded that at the end of February. You know, this is really our first time back, kind of easing back in. Um, we know that the situation in the world is is has not completely passed, and we're, we understand that. Um, but there is some some I don't know some some positivity to talking about the things that we love, and obviously. Um, there's bigger things in the world than, you know, talking about our favorite band. But at that same time, it brings some healing as well um, for us. And I, we hope that it does for you listening out there as well. Thank you for tuning in to the Cherry Ice Cream Smile podcast. We are so glad you could hang out with us for a little while. Please subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcast player. And make sure to follow us on Instagram too. See you again real soon.